I look like that. Move, move, move! Let's get out of here! Hey! Who's there? What are you doing in my house? What, what are you doing in my house? I live here. No, I live here. That's her. Holy Time, time, time. See what's become of the paper girls. And if we don't want to get sued, you'll have to stop singing. You know, you're singing too. But anyway, hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast, where age is nothing but a number in life and in fandoms. I am Sheila Amato, and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato, and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at foreverfanpod, same handle, three socials. We are your hosts, and we're glad you can join us. We are traveling back to our favorite decade, the 80s. Ha! Great music, questionable fashion. No. Shoulder. Oh, no. shoulder pads are questionable. <laughs> <laughs> we all don't need to fly. Um, and reviewing a show on Amazon Prime that is based on comics titled Paper Girls. Yes. So it is the live adaptation of the comic book, like Kimberly said, that ran from October 2015 through July 2019th. So we'll be discussing a lot of plot points and themes that will spoil you if you have not seen the eight episodes yet. So please pause us and then come back after you've seen the full season. I had to bring back the 80s (laughs) banter music. Well, you know, they were saying that it was like the female version of Stranger Things, but... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. Um, but anyway, before we go into that, um, I just wanted to mention that we just came back from a wonderful whirlwind weekend at Acon Canada. Yeah, it was great to see so many Erpers again and and meet some that we had only met on Zoom. Mm-hmm. So seeing people in three D was yeah. amazing. <laughs> yes, um, and we wanted to just um, you know make a shout out to uh, a few of the people, uh, especially. One, Grandma Bird, um, she was absolutely amazing. And thank you, Jason, for bringing and sharing your grandma with all of us. Thank you to uh, Patricia Agura, who was uh, my lovely wife's co-moderator on the POC panel. Seeing the two of you was just, I was so proud. I, I was so nervous. But yes, that was, that was a great panel. Um, also, speaking of panels, thank you to the AV staff of the panel room for helping us with sound and lighting. Um, Without you, I I think I would have just had a nervous breakdown. So you made it very easy for us. Thank you. And finally, uh, if you did come to the convention, Sheila and I co-moderated a panel and wanted to give an extraordinarily special, amazing thanks to Emily Andrus, who showed us that happy endings are possible and made our first dual co-moderated panel feel like an amazing, just wonderful conversation. So thank you, Ms. Andrus. That meant the world to us. So now with that out of the way, um, we want to bring it back to the podcast episode. So let us go ahead and find out if Paper Girls really is like the female version of Stranger Things, shall we? So here's a short summary from Amazon Prime. Four young friends' paper roots are disrupted on Hell Day 1988. Good year for music, by the way. Mm. When they unknowingly time travel to 2019... While searching for a way home, they clash with members of two time-jumping factions at war and must come face-to-face with their adult selves and learn how to work together to save the world. Hmm. So there's the underground, right? The two factions are the underground members called the Standard Time Fighters, or STF for short, 
Uh, they combat the soldiers of the Old Watch. And so that's the other faction. They want to make sure that certain events remain the same. So the SDF wants to disrupt certain events so that the Old Watch doesn't stay in power in the future. So, And before we jump into the good, as just a silly little tangent, every time they said the Old Watch, I kept thinking the Old Guard. Because <laughs> yeah. we saw that movie with Great movie. Charlize Theron. Yes. But um, so we're jumping right into the good. And I have to admit, it's nostalgia for me. It's all the music, especially the bangles. I loved the bangles. I, I know. still do. I mean, you know, during the trailer when that song just came up. Hazy like, Shade of Winter. Yes. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I actually found that Spotify, someone on Spotify curated like all of the music from the series. So I'm like, oh, and I was listening to that while I was writing it's a great well, soundtrack. It is. I mean, it's like listening to Stranger Things. They've got the their little playlists. Mm-hmm. It's great. It puts it you is. in the mood. Of course, coming back from Akon, wherever we'd, we'd get into the elevator and they'd be playing like 80s music and that's how you know you're old. <laughs> no, 80s Muzak. Muzak. I'm sorry. It's Muzak. But it's like you always know you're old when the elevator is playing your music. <laughs> but um, yeah, I loved, I just loved all the music. Yeah. Um, the cast, I wasn't sure... Because I said this to you when we started watching Stranger Things, I wasn't sure if I would be able to connect with it because of the age difference. Mm -hmm. And yet I found so many things that connected me to these young kids. Well, it's relatable, right? It is relatable, but the performances Mm -hmm. really, truly bring all of that to life in a way where it just, you're completely sucked in. Yeah, and in one of the um, interviews with the creators, and we'll we'll put the uh, the link in the show notes page. They were actually saying that you know they they got lucky that they found you know actual twelve year old girls to play twelve year old girls. Um, the reason why they had it in the comics was because they didn't think that it would translate very well. And so you know these these four actresses were just phenomenal to me. Especially the actress that uh, played KJ Branderman, Fina Straza, her character specifically, because her character, you know, was trying to figure out her sexuality. It's also fascinating to me that the, and another thing that pulled me into the casting is when you have to find older versions and they have to play across from one another, you have Mm -hmm. to have, I, I wonder how much they worked with each other to figure out like what quirks or what, what like things they're going to have that's transferable that gives you that continuity thread because you really could see not just physical similarities you could see the way they handle things the way kj walked up the stairs and just ripped the layer off you know that's the mannerisms the mannerisms were very similar to how kj took the uh field hockey stick around Mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot of little things like that so that intrigued me and it's it's things you don't necessarily pick up on right away mm-hmm. but as you continue watching it you notice it and you're like oh okay and that i mean that's that takes a lot that's not easy to do so the chemistry here is very good right and like you said we don't know if they spend time outside of the set to make sure that they had those things down and i think that you know if they did do that i mean it was it just added another layer you know to the performances that just makes it so authentic um normally and i say normally when i see something like this i expect it to be a little slower in the beginning because you expect it to take a lot of time to develop sometimes and and i've pointed this out to you i'm very particular and sometimes i'll be like okay it needs to really 
it needs to be slow, but then it's really too slow. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that way here. I felt the pacing was exactly what it should be. Right. And they gave it enough um, time in the beginning to like really introduce us to the characters, right? There are four of them. They're paper girls. They're, they're doing their routes. And then, you know, it, the, the action just starts right away. And so it, you know, sometimes you would think that you would need the whole first episode to like get to know the characters, but you didn't in this case. They, they basically gave you some of the foundation and then just went off and delved into the story, which I thought really worked. Now, what I noticed and, and what I really liked, and, and please tell me if you felt the same way, mm. they still developed everybody very well. Absolutely. But yeah. they did it almost like ocean waves, right? There was an ebb and flow to it. You had everything that kind of put you on edge. You had uh, the old, I was going to say the old guard again, <laughs> the old watch following them. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're going to be killed. Mm-hmm. That's that's the understanding I got. They're going to be killed because if you are out of your timeline, your time slot, so to speak, you get wiped out. Yeah, it's a capital punishment. Yeah, because yeah. it's illegal to do time travel. Okay, cool. It felt like with the pressure of that, which created the tension, they couldn't sit still in one spot. They were trusting people that they didn't know that they, how could you trust these people? But they have to because they have no choice. So that adds tension. And then you're developing these individuals not necessarily like a black and white A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but you're developing them within the tension and how they're reacting to it, which I I liked better than here's an episode for character A, here's an episode uh-huh. for character B. I liked learning about them as it went. And that's a testament to the writing yeah. and the pacing. Yeah. To me, it was just the the intricacy of when you meet new people, right? You're you're trying to feel them out and it just really blended well with this. You know, you're trying to get to know the characters themselves and then you're trying to figure out, okay, how is their relationship going to develop juxtaposed against this whole time war thing going on. It was just so expertly woven. And I love that they're turning the rules of time travel on its head. See, I was going to say that. Well, the reason I bring that up, it was the psychology of it, meeting yourself because you would always see yourself at a distance right? They would say you could see yourself at a distance and you would see where your future self is. Mm. I loved that they let them talk, especially with Erin, when she meets adult self. There's this disappointment Mm -hmm. and it's so real because what you want as a kid, what you think you can do and where you end up because life happens Mm -hmm. is fascinating. And to see the adult Erin trying to explain to younger Erin and younger Erin is being judgmental because child everything you know so much possibility and adult Aaron's like you don't know what happened you don't know what we've been through and adult Aaron doesn't want to say anything so there's this interesting way that it's done where it's like I'm going to give you hints but I can't tell you because you don't know what happened and then younger Aaron's like well you know you must have done this and you must have and it's just it's very fascinating I don't know that it wasn't her wanting to not spoil the future you know in air quotes Mm -hmm. it's more that she couldn't explain why she ended up where she was the actual line i think is that happiness is a complicated topic you know when you're my age when you're middle age it's not like adult erin wanted to end up the way she was 
But see, for me, I, I understand your point. And part of me believes that Aaron, adult Aaron didn't say anything to mess up the past, but also because maybe they're embarrassed, you know, yes, based yeah. on their choices. And maybe in some way, they don't know how to explain it to a child because you're basically looking at yourself, explaining to yourself why all your dreams are shattered. Yeah. It's funny because I... Yeah, I when I was younger, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. That was like my my thing. I want I wanted to get into you know brains and like massage it and all that good stuff. No, I'm massage kidding. brains? What? <laughs> no, I wanted to. I, I, I need a creepy sound uh, here. <laughs> uh, yes, I do not want to eat brains or anything like that. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. I thought that the brain was just a fascinating thing. I wanted to learn about it. And like you said, life happened and it just took me in in a different direction that I didn't think I would be in. And I ended up in a good place, not where I thought I was going to be, but not bad at all. In fact, I kind of like where I ended up. So, okay, another good. Robot fighting. Battlebots. Robots activate. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to do this. Robots activate. Oh my goodness. I had to do that. All right. Well, there it it made sense. Yes. But, okay. You know that that scene where the not as advanced robot piloted by Aaron, adult Aaron, um, that scene where she basically sacrifices herself so that the girls can get away. That was a very emotional scene. I actually cried at that. See, that's also interesting to me because we know in life we have no concept of when we expire. Mm-hmm. You know, that is one thing we're not conscious of. It could be tomorrow. It could be the next minute, whatever. It just happens when it happens. And that's it. Mm-hmm. In this case, younger Aaron watched adult Aaron die. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, we know, and as a human being, Aaron knows when she expires. Mm-hmm. So if she gets back to her normal time frame, does she continue doing certain things in order to ensure that she does not die at that time frame? See, I don't know because, right, and I and this is what I wanted to say a little bit earlier. The time travel um concepts, right, mm-hmm. were were turned on its head. Yes. Right? You you here you can meet your older self and nothing happens in the timeline, or so we think. At at this stage, that is our understanding. Right. That could change. We have not read the comics. But so taking Larry's timeline, right? Mm-hmm. When they first moved to 2019, right, he was alive. Yes. Right? And then when they moved back to... 1990, whatever. Yeah, they thought 88, but it was the the other year that Larry wanted to go back to. He dies there. Exactly. the fact that he was alive in 2019, how how does that But see, that's my point. It's like, that means that everything after theoretically might have changed. Or did it because maybe somebody else took his spot. So is Aaron still dead or not? In her mind, she was still struggling. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, she still expires at X date, X determined fixed point. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing in Legends of Tomorrow with the fixed points. Then you have Larry, which is like, what? Yeah. And then you have Mac. Mac is definitively a fixed point dying. Right? right, we don't see her in the future. Exactly, non-existent in the future, but mm-hmm. knows she's sick. Brother is now a doctor and says, "I'm going to save you in the future because maybe medicine could have helped in mm-hmm. the future." So, because Mac knows, even going back, medicine isn't what it used to be. So they're going to send her to the future, 
because the one soldier uh, of the old watch says, I'm sending you to the future because maybe you can meet up with Tiffany and stop all this. Maybe Tiffany will make a different decision and this never happens. So it's like all of these rules that we're all accustomed to with the time travel has been obliterated. Mm -hmm. But I question what's a fixed point. Is it, is it going to, because Mac has seen themselves in the ground now, you know, they saw their headstone. Mm Mm-hmm. Aaron has saw them has saw has seen themselves die. Is that going to play on them mentally and cause difficulties for them growing up? Because technically, Mac only has what four years. Yeah, four years, and the four of them are the only ones who, for some reason, the mind wiping doesn't work on. They're immune to it, right? They remember everything that happened. So can you even send them back? Because if you send them back, can you even wipe them? Right. So we have to feed him to a dinosaur. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's what the old watch's idea would be. If mm-hmm. if we can't wipe them, you feed them to the dinosaur. So, mm. yeah, that's why it should be. There should be a season two, although we don't know if there is going to be one. But I really at the hope time of this recording, we don't know. Yeah, the thing that I would be interested to see, because for both Aaron and for Tiffany, the the struggle you know was more external, whereas for KJ. And for Mac. And for Mac, it was more internal, right? For Mac, the fact that she had to confront the fact that she was going to die at an early age. And and then for KJ, knowing that, you know, seeing her older self, that she was happy as a gay woman. Yeah. And, you know, back in the eighties, right? They you you didn't want to come out because you would be ostracized. Yeah, it it Looking at the time frame, and I really wish I remembered what year it was, but I remember I looked at you and went, wow, that's that's kind of the time frame when I came out. Mm. Because Mac, and but Mac, the character's birthday... July 5th. Is two days after mine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is... It's it just it's one of those little things where you're like, oh, they're born in the same year I am. And you, you relate to it. But mm-hmm. when KJ saw themselves, I was like... And hiding the girl, you know, they're just roommates and mm-hmm. they go to school. That it was exactly what I had to do because you didn't want anybody to know. And even back at school, you're still very cautious of who you told. Right. And, you know, just hiding that truth about yourself. It's just, it's, oh, it's just so, it's heavy. It's painful. It's, you're, you're constricted. You can't, you, you can't do anything. At least that's how I felt. Which is why I, you know, I totally, totally relate to everything that that this this whole series um, was showing us. And I know we're dipping a lot into the themes. We're kind of mm-hmm. going from good to themes. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to officially say we're in themes. Yeah. Um, and jump right into Mac in that case, mm-hmm. because if you if you looked at Mac the way they they dealt with their death, their death is the impetus for the the stepmom to get clean. Yeah, for the brother and for to, the brother to straighten himself out and get a degree and have a doctor and have a great life. Mm-hmm. So her death is the impetus for everyone else to be somewhat happy. Think about that. Even though technically, the the stepmother is not necessarily happy. You know, I don't want. I know that's like adult Aaron says it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. But look at it from Mac's perspective. Everybody else is sober and has money and is living life, and Mac is in the ground. Yeah, you know, because of their death. X, Y, and Z happen. And that has to really be very hard. Oh, yeah. That's just a mind bleep. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that Mac was just so angry, right? The, you know, they, they have this bravado when we first meet them because they're, they come from a background where, you know, the, they, they're, they're poor, right? They mm-hmm. don't have enough money and it's, um, and every snide remark, especially to KJ, whose family is rich, you know, just throwing out, you know, you, you people own all everything, right, in quotes. So, you know, there's a lot of resentment there. There's a lot of anger. Um, there's, frankly, I think a lot of fear as well because, you know, like what's going to happen? And then you find out, oh, you know, I'm going to die. I can't. I can't even escape or have the chance to to do better. This is where I'm going to end up. I mean, that's that's just. Yeah. I mean, I love that motorcycle scene. There were no words, right, yep. in that whole scene. It was just pure emotion, and just the. And that's why I I I agree with the producers of this of this series. These actresses are just phenomenal. You know, at a young age, they can emote that that feeling, right? For KJ, it's like, what's going on? You know, how can I help you? Yeah. And for Mac, it's just no one can help me. I'm it's it's hopeless. And by the end of the season, they no longer are kids. They've really been through well, the ringer and forced to grow up at a very young age, which right. is another like the coming of age stuff. Yeah, um, the fact that, you know, KJ really does have to, because, you know, she knows she's different, right? But she just can't quite put her finger on it. The The thing that I love about the series is that scene where they were at the uh, theater and KJ basically is talking to Lauren, um, adult adult KJ's girlfriend, right? To, to say, how, how can I, how can I do this? How can I handle this? And I think I put it actually in, in the, in the cute or, or touching um, scene where, you know, just explaining that it's, it's different for everybody and it's okay. Take the time that you need to figure yourself out. You're not on anybody else's timetable. I love that scene. Had, had someone else told me that when I was trying to figure things out, I think it would have been a much better road for me. I, same here. Yeah. And now speaking of change, you know, little girls go through changes. Oh, God, that was the best scene in the whole. Oh, my God. I, I know people aren't going to agree, but it is the best scene in the entire freaking series. Oh, my God. We were cracking up so much look, at that scene. Look. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Listen, y'all. I'm just going to say <laughs> any woman who has ever for the first time seen a tampon that scene is so accurate. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's just like uh, it. And again, I I think I I did. We're going into the cute and and we're just going to keep going gonna be, and tell you yeah. when we hit the bad. Um, the fact that KJ actually said, um, "I don't think you can quit your period," and I'm like, Why? "Right? <laughs> Why can't I quit my period? It would have been so easy." For my life, if I could quit my period. <laughs> yes. Wah. That Wah. was that was a great line. And then when they're like, "Well, what happens to it if you forget about it?" And, and I think it was Mac who's like, "Oh, your body just absorbs it or something." <laughs> yeah, it's like ah, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> how do you get it in? And then Mac's like, "I'm just gonna go get you a diaper." <laughs> <And> <laughs> the thing is, 
<laughs> the thing is, I turned around to you and I looked at you and I went, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> just what the hell is this? Which brings me to turning red with all those boxes. Oh my God. Um, my mom actually saw turning red finally and said that scene you were talking about. And I said, oh my God, that was you. She's like, it was. That's what I did to you. I just like stacked all these boxes and we're like, well, we have this and we have this and we have this and we have this and, and I have, you know, Advil will help the cramp. And that's all I kept thinking about because it's so true. Mm-hmm. The first thing that happened to me was like, I was talking about, does any of you get this thing? What is this? It's like we yeah. all, you have this classroom thing where you all have to sit through and, and all the boys get to go to the gym and play while all the girls have to stay in the classroom and watch this video. That was at school. Oh, see, I, we never had that. And well, I hated it. And then they give you like this care package of tampons and pads. And you're like, what do we do with these things? <laughs> it's like the video made no sense. It was like two girls getting their period and knowing that they're women now. And you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on in this right? little movie. And you come home and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm cranky. I want chocolate and I'm in pain. You, know, what, you don't know. I went no. to Catholic school. Like, I didn't understand this. So seeing this scene and the way Erin is holding the tampon by the I know. And all of their facial expressions, you know, was, and, as the camera just kind of pans to each I one. I turned around and they're like, are there instructions? I'm like, yes, it comes in the box. And oh, then she's no. like, oh, yes, yes, it's in the box. Yes. Tiffany started to like read it like, you know, a scientist would. And they're yep. like, wait, what? God, that was so good. And I know yeah. a lot of people are probably going to be like, yeah, let's tell girl. It's so true, though. Right. Every woman goes through this. And it just makes it that much more relatable. Yeah. And it, it just makes it so down to earth. Yeah. So anyway, I think we should. Um, we've covered a lot of our themes. We've covered 99% of our good. Let's just jump right into the bad. Do you have any bad? Do you have anything you didn't like about it? No. Really? I love this series. Okay. Um, so I'm going to uh, ask for a little bit of a pause. because what, for grace? Yes. Because what I'm actually going to discuss is a bad is not necessarily a bad on paper girls. So I don't want anyone to think that I feel it's the series or the creators or the actors or anything else that are responsible for this. We are still waiting on a season two announcement. Should, should it be forthcoming? Mm-hmm. And there was a big incident uh, or incidents recently uh, where First Kill was canceled. Oh, okay. Now, the entire time of First Kill, we were told you have to watch it more. Then creators came out and said, you need to watch to the end. I'm kind of really tired of streaming services not sharing what their benchmarks are. Yeah. I mean, there's no numbers shared with the viewers. You know what? My big thing is what constitutes a view? Is it are you looking for unique views of new people playing from new IP addresses and new computers or Mac addresses? Or are you looking for consistent fan base that's just going to watch it over and over and over and over and over again? Which one is it? If it's a mix of both, what benchmark for each? What, what do we need to get a second season here? You know, mm. again, is it a unique view of specific episodes? Is it watching through the entire episode? Can you tell if somebody skipped around an episode and like only watched like, say, five minutes as they hit the fast forward button or clicked further on the, the bar to, to move it down? At this point, why are we allowing them to promote something for us to watch, get us interested in just to cancel it? There needs to be specifically more transparency around streaming services and their numbers. If they don't provide them, the people behind these shows and the creatives and, and even us as viewers, but specifically creatives, they're not going to know how to proceed with promotions and marketing and to continue furthering views. How are they going to help promote and market and get you to do what needs to be done if they don't know? 
And you can't at this point expect a show to succeed and bring more money into streaming services and get more people signing up for your streaming service if you don't give anyone an idea of how to be successful or give them a roadmap. And this, at this point, I literally, I swear, it should not be pulling teeth. You cannot make this so difficult that your viewing audience at a certain point is never going to tune in because why the hell are we going to get invested in a show that you are possibly going to cancel because we don't know what you need from us to make it a season two. I'm frustrated and I'm not taking it out on paper, girls. It just happened that this is the first thing we're recording after all this stuff has gone down. Mm-hmm. And I'm very frustrated by it. And I don't think it's fair to all parties involved. I don't think it's fair to fans. I don't think it's fair to um, the creatives behind everything, the cast, the crew and everything. You know, these are livelihoods. And look, we're right here. We are waiting. We are primed for great TV. But if you don't give it to us and allow us to watch it and hold on to it and tell us what you need from us, eventually we're just not going to tune in. Mm. I mean, that's I'm that's me. That's nature of probability. But that's how I feel. Why would I tune into something? Yeah. Well, my very short version is I hope that we get a season two and that maybe there is going to be sometime in the future or near very near future that there will be a little bit more transparency on how we can rate this. You know, the, the Nielsen ratings of streaming. I think it would be smart. It, well, it's hard when a lot of streaming services, have, they don't want to release that information they don't want to release the algorithms that they're using something has to give here so i'm i'm i know i'm ranting and i apologize but i'm really hoping that uh, somebody or something comes in to regulate this or you know and just information is shared where they go hey if you want x show to survive we need this amount of views and it has to be unique because then you know what the internet social media it's free marketing mm-hmm. use it yes absolutely all right and so that is our discussion of paper girls and now it's time for our Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate Paper Girls five stars. Yay! Look, I'm going to be very honest. Um, the show has and was never on my radar. I hadn't even seen a trailer for it. I had no idea what it was until my friend Brian had actually recommended it to us on um uh, our Forever Fan Pod Facebook page. So I went in with no expectations and came out really hoping and wanting season two. Everything is relatable. It feels real and it's fresh in my mind from the period sequence to the coming out to being disappointed where your life is led. It just feels so real and so honest. I know we have no clue about season two at this point of uh, recording, but to cancel this show, it would be such a huge disservice to everyone involved and to the show, you know, and the fans. And just in my opinion, it would be completely wrong. So for me, I love that Cliff Chang and Brian K. Vaughn, the creators of Paper Girls, said that they didn't want a, quote, karaoke version of the comic. And we'll link the uh, their interview in the show notes page. I haven't read the comics, right? But knowing that they allowed different collaboration to happen is so incredible because then the end product is so much more. 
I really hope that the show gets renewed so that we can see what happens to our four young protagonists. I, I just I just love this series. I absolutely agree. And that is going to be our show for today, folks. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, was there anything that we should have discussed that we missed? You can let us know by leaving us a voicemail at speakpipe.com forward slash forever fangirls podcast. And if you're listening to this pretty much anywhere, just do us a favor and hit that little subscribe uh, button so you do not miss an episode. So until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, life is precious, and we know that it's not perfect. It is messy and complicated and challenging and fun and made so much more memorable by shared experiences with our loved ones. What? Where's my outro music? I'm just going to say an FYI, your body will never absorb a tampon. What? What?